Yo, NLX2 crew. To my surprise, we have been expanding like crazy. I have some all over the United States, all the way in Canada. And then there's a few people in Spain holding it down. I have no idea who that is, but whoever you are, you do not want to miss this week on the NLX2 podcast. Kenny Chaos. Okay. If that name doesn't ring a bell, stop what you're doing. Go to YouTube and type in Kenny Chaos. Kenny lives here in Dickinson. I've known Kenny through the life of strength, getting to train with him and getting to lift with him and learn from this, this wealth of knowledge. In Kenny's previous life, he was at the top of the top, the cream of the crop of the WCW. At this point, the WCW was hammering the WWF. This was entertainment at its finest, and Kenny was at the top of those charts. Kenny found success both individually, but where the big bucks were made were in his duo with Robbie Rage and the High Voltage crew. Kenny was a high school athlete. He was a very good high school athlete, probably a better high school athlete than I was, very well recruited, and wrestling grabbed him. And that's, he knew exactly what he wanted to do. If you have never met anybody that has been in the professional entertainment and wrestling gig, you're going to be in for a a, a terrible surprise that it is a grind. You pay X amount of copious amounts of dollars to just get an opportunity. Kenny and I go on for two and a half hours about life, about wrestling, about how athletics can affect kids these days, coaching. It's all over the gamut because this guy, this guy right here is a stud. He is a wealth of knowledge. He knows exactly what he's doing. He gives back to the community. He is a part of this Dickinson community more than most people are. And as you can see, the dude was jacked and he still is. Look at that boy. The WCW, biggest show on the mat. This week, we have Kenny Chaos on the NLX2 podcast going over some of his biggest fights with Goldberg, some of the biggest names in the game. So check it out this week, Spotify, iTunes, and YouTube. All right, ladies and gents, I gave a brief intro to this podcast I'm fucking stoked about this podcast. It's been a long time coming. We, uh, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked about this. And so today I told you guys that we had a special guest in, um, somebody that has seen the pinnacle of, um, a professional career, a personal life, and just, just living out to be a good human. And I meeting Kenny, um, through, through, through the life and the way of strength, um, meeting him at a gym and just the cool thing that I I've told before you you don't you don't talk about your personal career unless you're asked. You're not going to be oh I'm I'm Kenny I'm Kenny K. You know you're you're a whole nother human and you've lived a whole nother life outside of that. And so today I'm excited to introduce and have uh, have Kenny Chaos on the podcast and uh, just have you introduce yourself real quick, brother. And it's good to see you. Well, um, real real name's Kenny Stashowski. Um, was actually born in Buffalo, New York in 1970. I'm the big five zero. We've made it. Yes, sir. Life is grand and uh, been in the beautiful state of North Dakota for 10 years now. And it's uh, served me well. 
met some incredible people. North Dakotians are, are good people, the region. And uh, yeah, just, you know, I met Colby uh, probably about seven years ago. Yeah. You know, at the gym when he, when he was still playing ball to, at the college here. And uh, we've watched him develop and grow up. And he's got this incredible facility here. And my girlfriend and I, Leanne, just came in and saw it for the first time. And, <laughs> and, and we're, we're pumped for him. And I'm excited. You know, me and Colby started talking six weeks ago about get me on here and I was going to do yep. it. And, uh, and here we are. I'm, I'm pumped as well. I'm but. glad, man. I appreciate it. And you brought up a good point. What, what ended up bringing you, we'll get to your childhood, but what ended up bringing you to the great state of North Dakota? So let's see. We, um, currently have been in the, the oil and gas industry up here. The boom's been going on here for 13 to 15 years. Yep. And, and, you know, before that, you know, before I even got into the into entertainment industry, um, I was in the telecommunication industry with internet and phone and cable and satellite. And uh, after the entertainment was over, um, I was with the company for about eight years, Colby, and uh, things were going well. And I was in South Dakota in the Black Hills, which I love and uh, probably could retire down there. And I was on a two-year project in in eight, starting eight, nine, it rolled over to 10, actually. And there's a recession around the country. And I don't think this region really felt that recession, but it, it hurt a lot of big business. And, um, and I was in the telecommunications and technology stuff changed. And I knew with the recession, I was going to be without a job once this project was over. And it was on, it was on a whim. I met a local guy, his brother was up in Minot. And, you know, we, I, I was, the job was coming to an end and I was about to go home and go to Florida and, and see some buddies and fish and figure out at 40 years old, Hey, what's the next, what's the next move? Yeah. You know, because we all go through it like life's full of the hills and the obstacles and came up here on a whim, man. And I've been here ever since. And I was able to get into this industry and have learned a lot, met some very knowledgeable, very smart people, some great humans. And I've worked my way up and, you know, I work for Titan Energy and Services. I'm a operations supervisor over here in town. And, um, we're taking it day by day, going through the struggles of, of the COVID thing, but yeah. but but our company's strong. Um, we we've had to make some adjustments, like anybody else does. And uh, man, we're still going, dude. Awesome. Is Titan question here? Is Titan Machinery and Titan Energy over the same umbrella but different sectors? Yeah, no, that's funny. A lot of people ask that question. You no, know, two different, two different. Okay. Different cool. organizations. Cool. Yeah. Um, I, I'm very interested in this because I, I saw you as you trained at, at that time, probably 44, 45 and, uh, just seeing your dedication to it and everything, but it started somewhere and it started in athletics from what I've, what I've been told. And, um, so kind of let's get into your childhood a little bit, like growing up in Pennsylvania, correct. And, um, getting into your sports career, but how, how was the childhood? It was good. I, I'm, I'm the youngest of three. Um, Got incorporated. My brother was three years older. My sister five. We we all were in athletics, gymnastics. You know, my sister. One of the best sports ever, man. Cheering and softball and volleyball. And, you know, me and my brother, you know, started out really the first sport at five. We actually played soccer, you know, played soccer and and, and got, you know, I was in, I was six my first year of football. And and, and, and the first time I I ever went to like AAU, like learning wrestling, Mm -hmm. I was six years old as well. Sweet. And um, so just hyperactive kid, man. And I was the youngest. I was got picked on a lot by you. That's what happens when you're the young one, right? Mm-hmm. 
Hell your yeah. older brother and your sister like to give it to you. So, <laughs> and they did. And and like I said, man, I was just, I think the athletics was great for me just because I was so hyperactive Yeah. and, and, uh, burn, my parents wanted to burn energy. Mm. And, and with, with that being said, you know, when, when you do athletics, um, you know, you've been a competitive athlete, you know, your whole life too, from a young kid, you know, it's weird when you look back and, and even at eight or 10, you know, that the passion and the dedication, you know, you'll see kids at eight, 10, 12 or 13 or 14, because, you know, I'll say this, athletics are a great outline for discipline. So you can overlap athletics um, to, to life. Yep. You know, if, if the dedication, the discipline it takes. When you're in high school or junior high and you're whatever sport you're playing, you're going to have the guys that take it seriously, eat, live, sleep it because they want to be the best they can be. Yep. Um, and then you have some people that might be there killing time and that's okay. Mm-hmm. That, 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 that's okay. It's not for them. Uh, yeah, right. And, and, and I was the guy that, that ate, lived, slept, breathed it, wanted to win, hated losing, wanted to be all state, wanted, wanted to go to college. You know, you, you know, we all have dreams. Yeah. I want to play pro football mm-hmm. ever since I was little. Yeah, me too. You know, exactly. Yep. Because you took it the same way as I did. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we did, we did it. We, we, when we're going to, we're not going to just put one foot in, just go. Yeah. And I found that in, I, I was actually a better wrestler than I was football player. Uh, but football was my passion. And so I came and played football, but they, they wanted me to wrestle and same thing. I think we can talk about parallels of sport into life, but wrestling, dude, wrestling is probably one of the best sports to just learn about yourself and learn about life. Cause you can't, you can't pussyfoot it. Yep. It's not, it's not a team activity. Mm-hmm. It's, it's an individual. So it's a complete mental and physical breakdown. It, it will push the mental limits and the, to will to give up or to keep fighting. Yep. And, and that's the beautiful thing about wrestling is being an individual sport. And I would assume, you know, golf and tennis, that the mental, the mental difficulties and challenges these professional athletes go through okay. or even collegiate athletes mm-hmm. or, or high school athletes. Um, but it, it's a unique one because you're on the Island by yourself. hundred percent. And all you can do is look in the mirror and, uh, I knew this about you, but football was the thing for you. Football, yeah, was was the thing, was the passion. And it's funny what you just said about football was your passion, but you you were a better wrestler. Truthfully, I played soccer from age 5 to 12 until I moved up to New Hampshire because down south, football was in the fall, soccer there was two seasons, but the big season was in the spring. Okay. And, and, and it was great for football because the, the shape you got to do to be a soccer player. Well, nevertheless to say, by the time I was seven or eight in soccer, I was on state traveling teams in Georgia and, and playing in the top leagues. And, and actually, my best sport was soccer. soccer. Really? Um, it, it, and I had a choice to make at 12 when we moved to New Hampshire. Soccer and football are both in the fall, mm-hmm. but my heart, my passion was football. So, so that was the end of the soccer thing. It, it, things probably could have worked out way different. And it's, it's unique how things do work out, Cole, because we would never move to New Hampshire. I still would have been down South playing football and soccer. And who knows what would have occurred. Yeah. Yep. So were you, what was your, what was your body type? How big were you? How tall were you in high school? I graduated high school. I was five eleven and a half. And weighed 
202 pounds. Okay. I was right at 5'11", six foot. Um, I, I varied, but during football season, 215 yep. around that area. I did track and field, so I cut down yep. a little bit. But, dude, people, people look at uh, football as king, especially in the South. It's king. But you look at soccer, you look at gymnastics, and you look at swimming. Dude, some of the most brutal sports and most uh, – you have to have – you have to have a passion for one, but it's most taxing. Dude, your cardiovascular um, performance for soccer is outrageous. Hey, likewise, what you just mentioned with gymnastics in the swimming. Yeah. Um, you want to go get a good workout? Go stare at a swing point and go do just 10 laps yep. and, and then get out and see how You're you gonna feel. You're going to be humbled. <laughs> humbled. Humbled quick. <laughs> yeah. Um, sports, were, sports were king for you, for a lot of people. Uh, my audience, a lot of my audience is business owners, strength and conditioning coaches, and people that just love the way of the strength. And um, so you, you athletics were a staple. What was the family life like? Were you, did you mentioned you moved from where you were to New Hampshire? Like, was that uh, your parents relocating for work? How did that work? Yeah. Yeah. yeah my father uh, was, was in the big business. Uh, he had a master's in finance and, and, you know, we, we moved around a good bit, but it was always, you know, my, my dad, you know, manning up better in his family, better opportunities with, with promotions. Yeah. And, and so we, we, we did, you know, move around. Um, but it was always related to, to work and, and my parents, you know, doing the best they could do to take care of their children. Yeah. That's awesome. And you don't realize that until you get older. Oh you know? yeah. Well, if, yeah if you, I'm, I'm not moving from Georgia to New Hampshire. Yep. I never heard of New Hampshire. Exactly. Where's, New Hampshire? Where's all my friends? Yeah. You know, that's the big thing. So, you know, it was, yeah, it was a good lesson in life too, too, Colby, to talk about it. You know, um, you know, for me, um, you know, like I said, I was born in, in, in Buffalo, New York, but my whole family trees from Pittsburgh. We were only in Buffalo for, for a year, moved back to Pennsylvania. Then we moved down to Georgia and, you know, my parents still live in Georgia. My siblings do uh, all my nephews and nieces. And, um, it, that's home. Not for me. I, yeah. I, I go back and travel, um, there, but, but at 12, years old to, to move from the Southeast to the Northeast. You want to talk about culture shock. I, I was, I was the redneck hick from Georgia. Yep. Yeah. Remember, you know, you're going in eighth grade and, and just the extremes from coast to coast to North to South in the country, mm -hmm. it's just different cultures. So, yeah. so, but at the time you, you, you're, you're frustrated and angry, but you look back on it and it was the greatest experience of my life. I love to be able to see new England for up there for seven years. Yep. You know, so totally different world, dude. It totally is. different. I moved from Wyoming to North Dakota. So very, very the same. Um, but being on a college football team, I think everybody with all this stuff about uh, systemic racism and all the stuff that's going on in 2020 right now, I think if everybody played on a college football team, half our problems would be gone. Those are brothers. Yeah. It doesn't matter yeah. what's going on. Yeah. 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 Race, religion, it does not matter. We're brothers. And I think sometimes if you want to, you know, go over to, to that little bit of a conversation on, on, on the divide of, of, of the country, yeah, I think that's another thing, what I said earlier to you. I think team athletics, you, you I've done it. You're doing it now. Mm -hmm. I'm 50 years old. You cannot tell me that the outline of athletics with a discipline and drive I've transferred over to normal human life and it's made me be successful, mm -hmm. you know, do the right things through, through the highs and the lows and, and the, you know, the, the bumps, yep. you know, the potholes, but, but we're here 
And but that's why athletics are great. That's why, and you, you're right. Team athletics. It's a unity. It's a brotherhood. Yep. It's, for, for the female, it's a sisterhood. It's a family. Yep. And, and, and you'll always remember this, and you, you're trying to learn this now too. You will always talk to certain people that, that you've been in the trenches with. 100%. Because you, you, you know each other well. And you trust each other. You, you trust each other. Yep. And I know this as much, but uh, so what position did you play in football? Well, yep, in, in, in high school and even at the, you know, junior high. Um, always played, I was, I was a quarterback, and I was, I was yeah. all-state quarterback. Hell actually. yeah, let's and go. people laugh at that. Let's go. But, but the weird thing about it was, uh, you know, on defense, um, they didn't want to play me at linebacker, but I played outside linebacker yeah. um, all, all the way through junior high You and, wanted to and save your quarterback. Yeah, yeah, that's... yeah, exactly. So, but, you know, like I said, I'm a competitor, and, and you know, football's a violent, aggressive game. I had a lot of energy and, you know, I think, you know, being a competitor, we kind of, you know, we thrive on, on the physicality of the game. Yep. I miss, you, you know? I tell people this, I miss, and it sounds crazy, but I miss being able to hit somebody and not go to jail for it. Exactly. You know, like I, and I think that's well said. Yeah. You, you know, you just tee off on yep. people. And I played outside linebacker. I was all conference in college playing backer and it was rush the quarterback. Awesome. That, that was my game, man. Yep. So, who who ended up uh you I know you went the junior college yep. route but yep. who ended up recruiting you who was in the top of Kenny's mind when you were getting ready to venture out from high school not the teams that you dream about as a kid mm-hmm. but so in in high school um we'll, we'll start with there uh junior and senior year um you know it, it was all state yep and uh so you know junior year you know back then the one double a conference you know you, you I lived in New Hampshire so you had um, a conference with University of New Hampshire, University of Maine, um, University of Vermont, University of Massachusetts. Um, Connecticut then wasn't Division One; they were one AA back yep, then. Yep. So, so I was getting s- some letters from the local, you know, state team UNH. Um, got some letters f- from Maine coming out of high school, awesome. and you know, our goal is you wanted to play Division One. Wasn't getting I was getting one AA letters Authors. out of high school. So um, in you know, let's get into other things that, that we're going to talk about because this is, you know, affected my life, which we're, 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 we talk about maturity and, you know, I, I had the passion for the sports, but, but the discipline, I, I, I could have done better uh, academically mm-hmm. and, and I, and I just didn't. And to make a long story short, I ended up going to Dean Junior College in Franklin, Massachusetts, which was a private institution. Yeah. And, um, it was, it, it was probably not the best thing for me at the time, honestly, yeah. because it was four to one from females to males and all the males were athletes pretty much. Yep. And it was, it was a private school. So there was a lot of stuff going on to where, yes, I was in the football, but the academic thing and the social, social scene in, in you've got, we've all got to hone up to it yep. at that time. I, I lacked the maturity and the accountability and I wasn't, you know, doing the same discipline that I was putting into the athletics as I should have been for the athletics. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a, it's a fact, you know, that, that is, that, that is the path that, that, that I went and I chose and, and it wasn't the right one at the yeah, time. It, it led you and where you are. It, but. it did. And, and then you look back at all these things because we're, we're all so flawed. Humans are so flawed. Mm-hmm. And I think, and I try to tell these young kids that I work with, and, and that, that work under me that, you know, it, it's don't worry about making a mistake. 
in life or, 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 or out work on the job, it's, it's do the right thing. Sometimes we make errors trying to do the right thing. Yep. So, you know, um, it just applies over, you know, to life. You've got to try to make the right decisions and do the right things and things will be fine. My coaches in college used to tell me, um, because coming from small town, Wyoming, we had, I didn't run a defense. I didn't know my ass from my face when it came to defense. I was an offensive player, but I became very aggressive on the defensive side of the ball in college. And they told me, they, they sat me down multiple times and said, Colby, we don't give a shit if you make a mistake. He said, you go 150 miles an hour yeah. and make a mistake. If you're half-assing and making a mistake, we're going to rip your ass. Yep. Go 100 miles an hour. And that kind of parallels. Pick the right thing. Go for it. And if then we can look at the mistake you made. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, well, well said, Kobe. Well and said. I, I had some great coaches, man. They they just kind of molded you into where you are. And to, just just on a side note, the community of Dickinson, dude. If I wouldn't have played college football for the Blue Hawks, I wouldn't be where I'm here today. I wouldn't be having this interview. I wouldn't have this gym. I wouldn't have this studio because this community has given back. And you've seen that in everything you do. And you give back into that. And it's it's a beautiful place, man. Yeah, yeah I agree. I, I, I've i been in Dickinson, um, lived in Belfield for three years, but I've been in this area for nine of the 10 years I've been in the state. Mm -hmm. And in the first year I was up in Minot, I was trying to relocate to Dickinson. Yeah. And I never went through Dickinson on the entertainment travels. We'd, we would go to go through Bismarck and Fargo. Oh. But we would actually, I never stopped. We would go right through here because yeah. we'd, we'd end up going out west or going out east of Minneapolis on the loop, yep. depending which way we were going. Dang. But, um, but I was trying to get here, and it's been great to me as well, and it's a great community. Um, there's a lot of successful people here, and it's a tight-knit community. I've met a lot of locals. We know a, a good bit of a, a lot of local people. And, and you know, we, I'm, I'm in, a, in a different profession, you know, now to where, you know, the social thing is, is unfortunately too many times about the work and the business thing. Yeah. But, but in general, it's a great community, and I, and, I, sure. and I love it as well. For sure. So Kenny's in college. Um, you, went the, you went the junior college route, which I tell a lot of people, NAI, Division II, JUCO, only the top, I think it's like 0.25% are going to go D1. You know, is, that is that amazing, dude. And there's so much opportunity outside of that. And here's a, here's another thing too. When, when you say that you're a sports fan, I am as well. Now those Pittsburgh Steelers are looking good. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I want to get that loss out of the way though. You I don't want don't want it in the playoffs. I, I don't, yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I, I'd, like I feel to, you. I, I'd like to see you know, get refocused, you know, um, and, and a loss will do that. Knock down off the yeah. top there a little bit. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Keep the edge. You got to keep exactly. the edge. Right. Yeah. So, um, we were going into, going into college mm -hmm. and you said the point or 0.25% division one. Now take the percentage guys go to pro it's, it's, yeah. A Even less. micro fraction of that. It's amazing. And then you want to talk about flawed, flawed scouting in recruiting. Mm -hmm. There are so many great athletes out there. I'm such a sports junkie. I, I will watch on TV or on internet NIA games, yep. division three, two, one. It doesn't matter because the league 
has guys from all. Yep. And that goes to show you that recruiting is not perfect. No. It's not There's science. just so many great athletes out there. Yeah. And I, it, I was coming up when I was getting recruited, YouTube just started kind of coming out. And so at the time, I thought I was the cream of the crop. I thought my shit didn't stink. <laughs> but then you find out that YouTube comes along and all these, you can see the people that are the cream of the crop and it's like, oh shit, you know, like that, that really drops you down a notch. Um, at that time, I don't think so. Like we talked about, I was the first ever hired strength and conditioning coach for the Blue Hawks here. I think that's awesome. I think that's great. I, I, I'm glad to see the, the, the college say, hey, you we know need what? This. We, hey, you know what? Academics is absolutely priority, but we do have athletics here. And hey, why not be the best? Yep. And we'll, let's 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 get in place that will help us be the best. Yep. And I think that's great. You mentioned, you know, men's football. You mentioned women's and men's basketball, mm-hmm. and then you mentioned um, softball. Softball. Yep. I think that's great, dude. It's been it's, it's been a lot of fun. And and you look at I talk to the coaches because it's a it's a huge relationship with the sport coaches. I have to get what they want out of their athletes. That's all my job is. That's your job. And so I told, I asked them, I said, what, what, what was the deciding factor? So in the last two playoff games that the Blue Hawks had lost, we just got manhandled. We just got, we just got out worked. So these, they had bigger O linemen, bigger D linemen, and it was just a physicality aspect. We can yep. fix that. Yep. And, and as the game wears on, the smaller guy is going to get more fatigued yep. and it's going to break his will probably quicker. 150%. That's all it's about. If you can produce force quicker and you're a bigger body, you win. That's it. And it, it sounds too simple, but that's how it goes. And um, so at that time, it, Dean. It, Dean, yep. Yep, Dean Junior College in Franklin, Mass, right outside of Foxborough. Okay, nice. Um, was there any, was there any emphasis? I mean, obviously there's emphasis, but did they have strength and conditioning while you were there? They, they actually, they, they did, they, they did. We, 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 at the junior college, like I said, it was a private, it was, it was a very nice, actually junior college was a private mm-hmm. school. Um, they, they had the funds. Yep. Um, and let's see, we had, we had four coaches, you know, on the team and we, we did have strength and conditioning, but at the same point, you're going to get their outline and do some stuff. And then you might have different philosophies. Hey, I know I need to get quicker. Mm-hmm. So I know I've got to do more stuff for the footwork, Yep. you know, cause you know, I, I'm feeling I've got to do more, you know, cause I want to go division one. I, I got to get a little quicker. I can't run a, you know, a, a, a four, six, 40. I, I got to get down to four, five, two, man, a four, yep. five, yep. you know, you, you, you have to. And that's the competitiveness in that person, that's you know, the drive. and that's, that's what I liked about coming to a college. Everybody was like that. 90% of people. There's obviously gifted people, but the 90% of people, I need to get better at something X, Y, and Z. Aren't the gifted people the ones that make you the most upset? I think for me in in the history of my life in athletics, the, 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 the gifted ones that aren't going out laying it a hundred percent to get better because. And they're still successful. Super. Here's a prime example of me at, at junior college. Two guys, freshman year, freshman year, a gentleman named Michael Sternovin was from New Haven, Connecticut, a receiver, six foot four, 220 pounds, ran a legitimate 43240. And I remember my first practice as a freshman at JUCO. And, and it, it, make a long story short, when I went to JUCO, I wanted to play offense. And after the first couple of days, boom, your defense. And, and so I was actually a strong safety. There you go. 
Um, the first year, we had a really good, strong safety at JUCO that actually ended up going to the University of Mississippi Ooh. on a scholarship. So they wanted to get me on the field, so I actually played free safety. I played free safety my freshman year, and guess what? In practice, I had to go against this gentleman named Michael Sturman from New Haven, Connecticut. This guy, arm, arm span was a good 6'10", 6'11". Ran good routes, had great hands. Ended up going to Virginia Tech, played his last great two years. Great school. Yep. Ended up playing his last two years at Virginia Tech, and probably was the leading receiver his junior year and, and second his senior year. I think he had a tryout in the NFL, but never made it because he didn't really ever go run. Go look at, he was just he didn't a, work a for freak. It. But, and then here's another one, too, my second year. This kid ended up second in the nation in 93 um, named Chucky Dukes. Played at Boston College after he left Dean. And I played oh, wow. with him um, his freshman year and my second year at JUCO. Mm -hmm. And same thing from, from upstate New York. Incredible. And he had a great college career. And same thing. He had an opportunity for pro. Didn't make it, but 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 ne never never see him lift the weight, never see him try to do some agility. And, and he ran like a four or five five, but had incredible lateral quickness movement. Yeah. And yeah. um, but but those are the ones that I think that that irritate me more. That are so gifted, and you say to yourself, if I had that hell? gift, if I had that gift, guess It'd what? Be over. Yeah, dude. I don't know. I don't know about you. I can't put words in your mouth, but for me, I was never the the best. The I had to I had to work for that. And I told people when I first got to college, I didn't know my ass from my head doing this defensive check. So we had Coach Hofflin every single week. We had different checks for different offenses for different formations. Everything. That's how college is. And um, I didn't know what was going on. I told myself. I said, if I'm going to be this stupid, huh. I got to be tough. Yeah. Just got to be tough because you have to set yourself apart and I had to work for everything, every single thing. And I'm sure it's the same way with you. And it's tough to see that ultra talented. I played with some, some Samoan guys. Oh yeah. Yep. I know you guys have had your share. Yep. Dude, just the most talented, not saying that it's, they didn't work for anything, but man, if they could have just put in that extra 1% every day, well, one of them, one of the best D linemen that I ever played with. Um, this is a wrestler, uh, Rikishi. Yep. Yep. So, uh, Sefa, yep. it was his son and he played all American stud and he's actually attempting to, he's in uh, the lower, I don't even know how it's worked right now, but in the lower level of uh, professional wrestling and his brothers are the Samoan dynasty right now. Yep. Which is pretty yep. cool. Yep. And, and, and I, I knew that. Um, yep. I, I knew those, he had some sons that went to school here and, uh, and I, I was aware as well though, he's definitely trying to get into the. The business, and I think he's probably out on doing some independent stuff. That's, yeah. Or, or, or he could, you know, with the COVID thing, maybe not as likely. If there wasn't COVID and with, with the connections, there's there's a chance at some point he'll probably be at the NXT or the okay. training facility down, I think, in Orlando. Okay. They have. So so they have camps, too. So That's um, like your pipeline. Yeah, 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 yeah. for WWE yeah. now. And, um, yep, I, I, I know those um, young gentlemen. And uh, hey, I wish them well. Hundred percent. They're young, and hey, why not go do it? Yep, exactly. Go exactly what you did, and that's yeah. and that's that's kind of where I think it's very interesting. You had this career, you had this uh, football. The football was king. That's what you wanted to do, 
but what was what was this transition was how did you start your path into professional wrestling so at 15 sophomore year and and by the way you know we we talked earlier about you know what you want to do when you're little i had a devastating knee injury my freshman year in high school so i didn't play sports my whole sophomore year he tore an acl in 1985 that's a um, big deal it was such a big deal, Kobe. I was in a, um, I was in a cast. I was on crutches for 14 weeks in a cast for seven, had it cut off. And now I was in a huge mass of walking spun on crutches for another seven weeks. So you want to talk about atrophy, 14 weeks, you've experienced atrophy. I remember seeing you with atrophy after yeah. your, your knees Shrunk. or your, your, yeah. So 14 weeks. That thing looked like a chicken bone. Yep. Psychologically, I was freaked out. I was like, and it was splint. You couldn't have any movement in it. Yeah. It was that was it. Yep. It was it. Atrophy galore. It took me. It took me. It was the best thing that I did. Miss sports. There's no way I would have been back in a year. Yeah. So two years of just busting ass. Um, you know, going to therapy, but going to Kenny's therapy outside of therapy. Exactly. You know, around the clock. Um, but I, I, honestly, at, at that point, started watching wrestling on TV, and I knew after that devastating knee injury, I had to wear a big, you know, it was called a CTI brace. It was designed when Joe Theismann tore his knee out oh. in, 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 the, in the late 60s or early 70s. It was a massive clunk of metal, and it was state-of-the-art. At that point, it became titanium. It was titanium. It was lighter, but still, it was a clunker yeah. that— interrupted movement, speed. You know, I still had the passion for football, but I knew that that was going to be a prohibitor mm -hmm. um, going forward. Yep. And, and, and truthfully, I still feel, believe it, it was. For sure. If I, if I never would have had that ACL injury. Um, it could have been different. It, it, it could have been, but no regrets. Exactly. Here we are. Exactly. So at 15, buddies, buddies turning 16. Mom, we were all in the wrestling, four of us. Dean, Timmy, Justin, and myself. Asked for birthday gift, take us to Boston Garden. And we did. 10th row. That's awesome. Um, and uh, like Great I show. said, yeah, you know, actually saw a few of the guys I actually worked with because, you know, Bruce the Barber Beefcake and Greg the Hammer Valentine were on that card. Um, Savage was on that card. Um, Hogan was not on that card, but it was a very nice card. Um, he was he was still wrestling at that time. Oh, yeah, yeah he yeah, was yeah. there. Yeah. It was just, it was a house show, a private show. So we were 15,000. In on a on a it was a Friday night in Boston and uh, why well, I was watching it for two years on USA Network when when WWF at that time went mainstream and I was hooked on it. I loved it. It was entertainment. These guys were athletes flying around, but I got really hooked after that night because I saw it live. Yeah, saw it live and, and I, I was just a fan. And who 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 was that person that you're like I want to be a part of that? Who was the inspiration early on at that time for you? Randy Savage, you know, in 85 at 15, um, just something about him, something about his he voice, took it over, his man. persona. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it was a savage. And then when you want to roll five years later at 20, after Juco, we can go back in some stories if there's more questions. Yeah. Um, after two years at Juco and um, got relocated back to Georgia, um, the football thing was, was done. Um, Saturday night, man, putting on WCW. And I became, I'm still good friends with these guys and closer to the other brother. But I remember at 20, when I flipped that on that Saturday night, knowing football was over, yeah. back in the, 
hot Atlanta, where WCW headquarters right downtown, staring at me. Mm-hmm. Um, popped the eye, seen the Steiner brothers on there. And, it, and something just clicked saying, That's it. I know I can do that. I, I told myself, I know I can do that. But not only do I know I can do that, I'm going to do that. Yep. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. I'm going to find a way because I'm 20, I'm young. Fitness is part of my life. I'm going to stay in shape. It doesn't matter if I'm working a full-time job or two full-time. Exactly. I'm going to be keeping mentally and physically strong because that's who I am. Yep. So at 20, that snapped it. And that's when the wheel started rolling of the long journey and process. Yeah, man. To go for it. And you, I think, I think we talked about this before we went live. It's a different opportunity now. Obviously, if COVID wasn't here, it might be easier to get into that. Not easy but easier than it was for you. There was only, a, there was, there was usually one route and you had this, uh, you had this long standing, uh, this three or four years of trying to get into this industry. And, uh, you had a mutual friend of diamond Dallas page, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I, I had a buddy, Mike Shea, um, that was a manager of, of a, of a sports bar in Marietta, Georgia, where I lived North suburb of Atlanta, that page and, and the guys would go in there periodically. And, and he was, uh, he was you know, a security manager. And um, he worked out with me at the gym. And uh, he's the one, you know, when we became friends and I told him that we would, tr- we would train. We were playing flag football together and, and, and yeah. things in town, staying in shape, doing, having fun. And uh, he's like, Kenny, I saw Dallas Page. He goes, next time I see him, I'm going to try to get his number for you. And I was like, absolutely. So this process went on where he saw him probably four or five times over a couple of years and blow them off. Dallas page would have a lot of guys after him, this and that blow them yeah. off. But Mike was persistent Irishman. And uh, <laughs> finally one day page was like, give your buddy my number, have the kid, give me a call. Yeah. So um, this is two years, you know, this is now I'm, I'm, I'm 22, close to 23. Mm-hmm. Trust 23. Um, Paige doesn't call me back, leave a couple messages. He finally answered the phone, had a conversation with them, and he just went through how this worked. He said, if you are really interested in attempting this, which I think you are because your buddy's been handling me for years, he wanted to, he asked me my age, told him, you know, almost 23, athletic background. He said, this is what you got to do, bud. I'm going to hook you up to the head trainer. Jody Hamilton was his name, and he was the assassin of the assassins tag team. Yeah. That was big in the 60s, um, big in the southeast with AWA, NWA, Texas wrestling. He actually ran the power plant, and there was three trainers, and the head instructor that was out on the ground was Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker, who had a contract with WCW, but he was really the facility trainer of breaking guys in um, if they wanted an opportunity to try to make it in WCW. Yeah. And um, so I had to go through all the stuff, Toby. I had to first send in a resume with all my af- athletic background, accolades, age, um, had to sign a waiver um, that there's a four-day tryout or excuse me, a three-day trial, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. You got to go get a physical, have a doctor clear you, sign a waiver saying if you get injured or maimed, you cannot 
pursue legal activity on the, mm-hmm. on the, on the company. Yeah. And then on top of that, you had to pay $500. So after talk to Paige, he hooked me up, gave me the information. And he, then he talked to him a couple more times and he goes, well, when are you going to do this? We have it quarterly. He goes, I'll tell you something, Kenny. The best thing you can do is to be in the greatest shape of your life. And I'm talking about mentally and cardio wise. Yeah. And I, he's like, I don't tell people this, but it's an incredible amount of endurance and mental breakdown work. And um, I said, okay. And so, so exactly. So we, uh, it was about another seven months before I went through my trial process. Really? And um, if you want to, you know, engage in that conversation, we can continue forward. Hell yeah. Let's do it, man. Engage in this one. So I'm ready, man. I'm, you know, at that time when I went into that, when I went into that trial, I was probably right around 228 to 233, depending on what day. Yep. But I was in prime cardio shape. I mean, I dropped about a good 10, 12 pounds. I mean, I was doing heavy metrics, man. I was doing a lot of stretching, doing the casual jogs. I, I was still hitting sprints. I wanted to accelerate that heart rate, bring it down. Yep. You know, I'd go to the track and do three miles. I'd jog a half mile, you know, do a 100-yard sprint, you know, walk a quarter of a mile, you know, do, do a 200-yard sprint. You know, I was up and yeah, I was getting in shape. Yeah, man. And uh, so I did. And, and at that time, when I tried out, I was 24. And uh, I was I was in prime shape, man. I, I was best shape of my, my life, probably. And, and thank God, because I, I, I realized real quickly I needed to be. Yeah. And uh, Or it would have been a bad deal. Yeah. So I roll in here, ready to go. Some 24-year-old kid, green, and boom. I walk in this facility, and it's a... Like I said, it's an airplane hangar. It is a massive old warehouse in the city on the north side with three wrestling rings, a massive weight facility. Damn. And um, they gave you no background of what you were going to have to do. Just be in good shape. D- D- Dallas Page said, Kenny, if you, do you know what Japanese Hindu squats are? <laughs> and I said, no, sir. He goes, you better find out and you better start doing them in large quantities. <laughs> and I said, yes, sir. So, I did know about a little bit of the conditioning, and I yeah. started doing that. But they left it broad. Very broad and vague. Yeah. Um, with that being said, I was doing on my own for about four or five months doing Japanese Hindu squats. And if you don't know what a Japanese Hindu squat is, it's pretty much balancing in a squat position if you had a bar on your back. Mm-hmm. Crouching down, you know, your head up, you know, your chest out. You're, you're back on your heels. You're going down, breaking parallel, coming up, breathing, clapping your hands. There's one. So I was doing sets of 25, and I'd, sometimes I'd do 10 sets three days a week. Yep. After about a month or two, I was like, all right, we need to get, get these reps higher. And I started doing 50 reps and going from 25 to 50 reps. Yeah, a little different there. It was game changer, bud. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right. So we worked way up to that. So so I was prepared, you know, a little bit on that. So as I walk into this airplane hangar, there are 
oh, nine or 10 extremely large guys there. And uh, they're already down at the camp. Some have a training contract. Some don't have a training contract. They just made through the tryouts. And they've got camcorders on tripod set up, just like yours right there, mm-hmm. Kobe. And I'm like, man, what's going on? This is serious shit. Is, is TV people going to be here or something? I was like, <laughs> and I got there early. I, I'm a prepare, yeah. prepared person. I, you know, 15 minutes early is, is on time for me. And, yep. and uh, so I'm down there stretching and I'm, I'm like the third guy in there. And I already know the other two gentlemen that are going to try this tryout process and the guys that that are, are down at the camp because they're climbing around, cracking jokes, getting the cameras ready and all this. Yeah. And I see the three instructors and I see little Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker, bright face red, chewing tobacco, screaming at these guys. I was like, whoa. It's getting real. So now I see the doors open up and I see approximately there was 24, 25 of us that tried out that day. And I see large men walking in and uh, all of a sudden we all sign up. Three instructors introduce themselves, spread us out. We start stretching out for about 15 minutes. And after about 10 minutes, this guy walks in that side hanger door, all six foot seven, about 330 pounds. Jacked up. He looked like Zeus. Long flowing hair. And he had a suitcase. And the head instructor, Parker, just lit him up. You're 10 minutes late. Get over here, start stretching out. It's time to get to work. This guy kind of looks at him, doesn't say nothing back, kind of kind of gave him a little bit of a, you could feel the, the, tension. the, the, the tension in the, in the bad body language that he gave this, this Buddy Lee Parker guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, big mistake, by the way. Yeah. Um, so this guy gets in there. We start at it, Kobe. We, we, we start doing a set of 50 Japanese Hindu squats. Boom. We drop down, 25 push-ups. We roll over, 25 sit-ups. And it just cycles and cycles and goes and goes. We're on our second cycle, okay? Yeah. We're, we've, we've, we've done one triple set of, of the 50, 25, 25. Well, on that second cycle of 10th to 15th rep on the Japanese any squat, guys are cramping up. Bodies are cramping up, crying, fatigue setting in. Guy, guy, guy stops. Guy stops. Parker gets over. Hey, you're not quitting here. Get back up there. You're not done yet. Just screaming, spitting on him, going at him. I, you know, at, at that point, you know, when I was witnessing all this within 30 minutes, mm-hmm. 40 minutes of just the size of these athletes and these men and the intensity. And then seeing somebody start to fail and seeing the reaction of this guy. Um, lights were on, man. Focus was there. And it was like, do or die. Yep, go, go, go. I was in my own little zone. You know, probably a lot of things happened that I, I don't even recollect because I was so tunnel vision focused on saying, I'm not going to be that guy. You have to go to a dark ass place in your head. You know it. And, and, and just, I'm locked in, man. I'm just, I'm going, I'm, I'm just doing it. Guys are dropping man, left and right. He's getting on them. This big tall guy just bows out. Get back over here. Gets back over there. Keeps on going. And I'm talking about the guy that's 10 minutes late. Mr. Yeah. Zeus here. I quit. See ya. Done. This guy's out. 
Parker, this guy was gassed out of his mind on his knees, just breathing, huffing. Parker grabbed his little suitcase, threw it out and said, get your ass out out of my office. And that was it with this guy. And what's funny is, come to find out later that day, that guy who played offensive tackle for the Raiders for like four years, and I forget the gentleman's name. And he got paid by Turner to go down there to try out. And they paid for his expenses from California, this and that. And this guy made it like 45 minutes. (laughs) Chewed him up and spit him out. It's here, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, this guy probably came in there, hey, I'm an ex-NFL player. This is entertainment. These guys are paying for my expenses. Chip on I'm his gonna, shoulder. I'm going to roll down here and, and own this place. Well, no. The only thing he owned was the cab ride back to the airport. Yep. So, um, Damn. Yeah. So, um, yeah, intense, man. Guys dropped. Literally, literally, we took a lunch break um, three hours after we started. Mm-hmm. No one could really eat. We were, I mean, I, I I brought electric lights, man. I, I was pumping water. I had electrolyte packages, yep. Gatorade fluid. I, I bought a little bit complex carbs. You know, I brought some nuts. Um, ate very little bit of uh, some pasta and nuts, just a little bit of something to yep. get, stimulate. Get you through. Me. Yep. But but the fluid intake, everybody seized up. We went through, I think we went through a good 12 or 13 rounds of that. Holy shit. And and when we took lunch, it 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 was five or six of us, man. It, or or four. It was it was somewhere between four and six because after lunch, one guy just gave it up. Yeah. And, and so, Out of twenty-four for people it, it, to Yeah, in, in three in three hours here. Um you know, at that time, <laughs> when you're calmed down, you get a little break, you start thinking what's going on. And it, it, it was it was hazing at its finest. It was mental. I, I'm not a, never been in the service, but we, we both have many of friends that have been in the service. And I got many of friends that have been special forces. I've got many lifers and we get, we, we talk about certain things and situations and trainings. Yep. And it was the epitome of, of, of hazing and mental breakdowns of training. Yeah. Because little Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker was a, was an eight year vet. And, 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 and was a special forces guy. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this guy's a little badass. That's all he knew, man. And, and, and so it was breakdown. Physically, mentally break you down to see what you have inside you. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and it, was, it was brutal. I, uh, I just had an uh, encounter like that. So this block right here, is, this thing right here means more to me than a lot of things that I carry in my life. So there's the power athlete block one coaches uh, experience. So there's only 130 coaches in the entire world. This is England, Germany all over Europe and all over the United States, 130 in the world. I uh, had the uh, the opportunity to become a power athlete block one coach. These are, so John Wellborn, he played 10 years offensive line for the Kansas City Chiefs and the Patriots. Know the name well. I, yes. I, I, I'm a sports mark fan, passion for it. So he know built him. this That's company. Awesome. He built this company right here. So long story short, you have, you have, to, you have to perform their methodology. You have to perform in front of these coaches and it's a big deal. It's a huge deal. They only allow 20 people the opportunity a year. And uh, so I fly down to Austin, Texas, kind of the same thing, pay for my way, pay for my Airbnb, and it was $500. And I go down there and I, they kind of keep it, they kind of keep it low and wrapped. So I'll kind of skip over some of it, but 5 a.m. darkest shit out in Austin, Texas in this park just rained 
can't see, all we see are headlights and cinder blocks. Ah. Grab a headlight, grab a cinder block. So long story short, we go through this workout and I just had to go to a dark place in my head because my body has started to give up. Oh, yeah. My body's given up. I just got to stay here. We had recon Marines. We had Naval Special Warfare. We had M- medical doctors. We had physical therapists. And then me as a strength coach. And uh, luckily, I ended up getting my block, became a block one coach, 130 in the world. But anyways, this, this, year, this, just, this, this I just a few months ago, man. Yeah, this is, John Wellborn hand welded that. So he hand welds them for the people that pass. Not only a Pro Bowl tackle, he's got a good. He's, he's got, got a decent well. Yeah, he's got, exactly. I'm on boulders all day long. Great. So uh, getting that through the airport, they think you're oh. carrying some weird shit. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Hey, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah man. that's so cool. It's really cool. It means a oh, ton, man. It means a ton. Yeah. And so we're in there, and this littler guy—I'm one of the bigger guys there. Little guy, probably a buck fifty, just owns his own gym. Everybody knew that he was very arrogant, kind of the same way, yeah. but he didn't have the, he didn't have a reason to be arrogant. He's a tiny little dude. <clears throat> We're doing this exercise and obviously the, the stronger you are, the better you're going to do. He's struggling and you can't see any of the coaches. You don't know if they're behind you because it's pitch dark out. So you have to perform hundred percent of the time. You don't know when the spotlight's on you and I'm next to him and he, uh, he starts giving up and this coach comes over by him and he says, says, coach, I can't do it. I can't do it. Um, explicit language here. The coach looks down at him, looks him in the eye, bends down because the coach is about six, six. He said, shut the fuck up and find a way and walked away. He said, shut the fuck up and find a way. And that is that mental breakdown. You people don't realize people don't haven't gone through that. I think everybody needs to go through something like that. You know Just what? like this tryouts. I, I, man, I, 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 I do too. Um, you want to, the words that come in my mind whenever, you know, I, I tell that story to people, uh, it, it's one, one, it's probably the most humbling experience yeah. I've ever had in my life. For me person, personally and for others, you know, everybody in that room, it gave you a different perspective mm-hmm. and, um, Cause you saw all kinds of different egos and attitudes roll in there, but th- then you saw just grown men crawling out literally on their knees, you know? Um, yeah, I think, um, it's a great experience. I love that story. I did not know that. Yeah. I will, I, I congratulate you, Kobe. I think that's fantastic. And, and like you said, you just went through that literally months ago Yep. and, and, you will always remember that experience. I always remember that experience. It's sometimes we still get sidetracked or, or so we're human beings. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we still feel sorry for ourselves. I've got to tell myself what that guy just said. Hey, Kenny, shut the fuck up. Find a way. Get back on the fucking road. Yep. Get back on the path. And that doesn't have to be professional. That could be work. That could be relationships, everything. Life in general, Kobe. Dude. Yep. Life in general. It's a hundred percent. And then, um, so that was a great experience, man. The Dickinson press got a hold of me. They did a whole thing about it and it was cool. It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, but you hit it on the head there. There's Navy special warfare guys giving up. There's recon Marines giving up. And, uh, that, that's a cool thing to hold on to. Um, and so obviously we know that you had this, this great career. So you, 
you were one of the good dudes that made it. You were one of the dudes that uh, made it. And I find this story very interesting because there's nothing guaranteed. You had nothing guaranteed. You made it through this tryout and I'll let you talk about it, but uh, pretty much pay me some money and you get an opportunity kind of deal. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh we, we call this a, a one-sided opportunity. Deal. Yeah. No shit. So my options were after, after the first day, there's three of us left and we went back the second day and, and me and another gentleman made it to Prince Iakea. Um, out of Florida and he was a cruiserweight champion and he had a nice career at WCW and went over and did work overseas in Japan and, and Mexico after. Um, we were the ones that made it and they brought us in the room and told us that here it is guys, you made it. This is how this is going to work for you. If you want to do this and pursue this opportunity, you will pay us $3,000 over the course of six months you will be down here a minimum, a minimum of 10 to 12 months to 14 to 16 months, five days a week, eight to four, 40 hours a week, like 40 hour job, but no compensation, just the opportunity. So I was like, I was like, I knew what I was going to do. So I said, Mr. Hamilton, I said, I'm going to take up your opportunity but you're going to have to give me, you know, three, four, five, six months, but no more than six months. Mm-hmm. I, I'll, I'll start the power plant. Yep. He's like, I understand. I've, I've got to s- save more money or get prepared for the, for the long haul that, that, that I realize that I'm going to be going through making it or not making it. Yep. So I ended up working about another three and a half months and Quit, quit my job. And I was, had a good job, a good, you know, I, 20, 24 at that point. And I was had a, with a, with a company for two and a half years doing the telecommunication business and had great insurance and, you know, had a, it was a good job, man, for a guy 24. I was making good money. Mm-hmm. But uh, we put that on side there and uh, we went down there. And uh, the bad thing was, is you want to talk about the sacrifice of the debt. You knew what I'm going to be here a year. Got some money in the bank. This ain't going to last forever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, on the weekends, I bartend or, or check IDs um, in, in the city at clubs, hustle some money. Yep. Maybe one one school night, I'd call it going to the camp. I, I might be bartending or, or checking IDs, um, but pretty much racking up credit <laughs> credit cards. Yep. Um, and by the time in the, in the year, because after 10 months, we got exposed to going to TV and getting paid. So not in our contract yet getting paid nightly fees, getting, getting, getting paid. And I was like, Oh, I'm rich. Oh my God, we're getting money coming in. Sometimes I go to TVs and, and do two tapings, and get double. I was like, Whoa. Yeah. Hey, so I had about 20, 25 grand debt that, yeah. with not a contract yet. Damn. Oh, and then you get the, you get the naysayers around you. Oh, he's too small. Oh, he's not going to work. He's not going to make it. No way. Wow. Hey, he's got to put that stuff aside. That's why we all should focus on ourselves, focus on on your journey, focus on what you want to accomplish because you're going to have haters and you're going to have people come at you all angles. But, but the key is to be mentally sound enough to block out and keep the tunnel vision. What you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's life. It's weird. You want to go back to when you want to do something and you do something like this phenomenal. 
Now, for some odd, weird reason, this, I wish I would have known about this earlier, is a beautiful thing with which she accomplished. And to something like this to me, you're still, unfortunately, going to have naysayers about that. 100%. Why? Because they're probably not happy at themselves. And uh, they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. Yeah. That's a, that's a fact. And, you know, we want to talk about messages, too. Um, that, that's all we need to do is focus on ourselves. And, uh, and, and you can accomplish stuff because you're going to get the outside. If you're going to listen to that, you're not going to make it. That's, that, that's why they're there. It's, 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 it's the epitome of, you know, not, not to get too off the subject on this, but good people and bad people, you can parallel it to, I, are, I parallel it to angels and demons. You know, you're either an angel or you're a demon. Yeah. It's, it's, very, it's very black and white to me. You, it's how you live your daily life and everything you do in pursuit. You know, how you treat others. Um, you know, you're, you're either selfish or selfless. I say it all the time because yeah. it's reality. You know? That's very black or white. It, 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 and it is, Kobe. And, it, and it's so true. And through 50 years of this process and evaluation, you know, I've done a, I'm, not, I'm not the one to pat myself on, on the back. I've done a lot of good things through the, the progression of my life. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I've done bad things. I've made poor decisions. But you know what? I've never, ever put the blame on somebody or somebody. Uh, you hone up. Yep. You man up and say, I'm, I'm better than that. I'm going to be better than that. And that gets us back to athletics. That gets us back to wrestling, looking in the mirror. Well, shit, I made a mistake. Let's just move forward. Let's just, let's just move forward. Go forward. Yeah. Yeah. So, man, it's, it, there's a lot of parallels between your and my life and athletics and all that. And so. And the rollover to just general life now where you're at and I'm life. Yep. And, you know, doing the right things in helping others. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we That's talk, what it's all about. Dude. It, it is. We talked earlier about the Buddy Foundation, you know. Awesome um, foundation, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a great foundation. And, uh, um, and I, I'll donate every year. Mm-hmm. I'll, you know, Coach Pruitt and I, um, uh, only known him a, a, a few years personally, but hell, I remember him when my buddy was coach New England when he was at South Hart having one of the best high school basketball games I've ever seen yeah. was Coach Powers at New England and Coach Pruitt at South Hart. And we were over in South Hart Gymnasium, and that's the year New England made the state for the first time in 20 years. That and was a South battle. Hart, and South Hart had a, they were right there. Uh-huh. I mean, they, they were, they were, the second team, third team in the region, you know, besides Trinity, they were, what a great game. And, and it was, I could see the passion in coach Pruitt's eyes and how great he is with kids. And he brings that to the foundation, man. He does. You want to talk about a, a guy that, 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 you know, you should have under is coach Pruitt at some point, or, or I'd come back that. and do something with, with coach Pruitt as well. Um, because he, you know, he exemplifies local community, um, mm-hmm. being a coach, pairing out over to being successful in life. Yep. And uh, it's a beautiful thing. Oh, 100%, dude. He, he's always been just a, uh, a holistic, just a great dude, no matter what. And you said it, we all make we all make mistakes. Coach Pruitt makes mistakes. Yep. But he 100% is for the people, man. I, I, I love that guy. Yeah. Um, so, Kenny, you, you just you, – you're now probably going to get on your first contract. And um, so let's, let's kind of transition into the early years of – of your career, man. How, how was that? Was, I mean, you, like you said, you, you just went in for the long haul. You just got 20 to $25,000 in debt. 
your working side jobs, your 40 hours here, like son of a bitch, dude, that's a, that's a grind. It's a grind. But then it started to pay off. Yeah, it did. It was a grind. So after about 10 months, we would get paid. We'd start going doing independent shows. We'd go to Georgia, South Carolina. There was about six of us down at the power plant. We'd load up in a van. Two of the instructors would go with us for the night. And uh, we would go wrestle in armories in front of four or five, 600 people. Great experience. Shows. And we actually get, get paid 150 bucks each. Yeah. We're like, woo, yeah. Hell yeah. I got, re- I got a little bit of return. Not much, but it's the beginning of a return. Starting. So, and then, we, you know, we started getting invited. And, 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 and at this time, you know, my, my tag team partner, because, you know, I was with WCW getting compensated from 96. I started getting money coming in um, right at the beginning in, in January of 96. And I was still getting um, some after the transition of it bunking and folding out. I was still getting checks um, all the way close up to 2001. Yep. Um, now, when it comes to the tag team, my voltage from 96 to 99, we were attacking for three, a little over three years. And. Robbie Rage, Rob Napick, same thing, massive arm injury, out for 11 months. Like bicep tear? He literally tore his bicep tendon, tore his rotator cuff, and then chipped his bone in the shoulder region. Out 11 months. And so we were breaking out together when we started doing the independence, and they invite us the TVs and we weren't under contract yet, but we get paid nightly fees and we would do some singles and some tag matches. Well, we have a booking committee at Turner and, and that was the, some retired wrestlers, Kevin Sullivan, um, in management, Jimmy Hart was on our booking committee. Um, Paul Orndorff was on our booking committee. Terry Taylor was on our booking committee and Arn Anderson was on our booking committee. So they're in charge of the smaller shows, yeah. our Saturday night, our worldwides, our Saturday mornings. And they liked that, so they started pushing us on every TV. And they would start actually get us traveling on the loop, meaning you'd get an itinerary for each month in advance. If I was on the road, and that would include TV tapings, pay-per-views, or the house shows. Okay. So, I, you know, if you're on the loop for a month, I could be working sometimes eight or ten days, or it could be a busy one working 25. Mm-hmm. And um, so... We started getting on the on the loop, and after a few TVs, they gave they finally gave us a training contract, and we were excited. You know, hey, it was decent. It was decent because I could be frugal and start paying off some debt on the training contract. But that was if I, I was just staying doing local TVs here and there and down with camp training. Yeah. So the booking committee really liked us, and they we started getting on the road heavy, like with the main guys. And all of a sudden, like two months into that, we're like, no way, we're, we're, we're losing even more money. Talk to the booking committee. At this point, we've never had a conversation in Eric Bischoff, our president's office, uh-huh. at no point yet. And they were able to get us, a, 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 not a training contract, a regular little contract. And it doubled up the training money. And we were cool. Yeah. Kind of traveling around. Now we're about... Six or seven months more into it, and no, we are nonstop. We set an appointment with, with Eric Bischoff, and he canceled four, four appointments. This guy's president of Turner. They are rocking and rolling. We got the big names. We're hiring all WWF's talent. We're kicking their ass yep. on TV ratings. We were pulling Monday Nitro's uh, segments at like 
ratings at like seven threes and they were doing like three fives and stuff, just crushing them. Yeah. And we were hiring their talent. We had the money, the budget, we're going. Guys, extremely busy. Finally, we get back into town on a Friday. We fly into town. He's at the office. We stop by. We get to see him in his office. And he's like, guys, I'm sorry. First conversation we had with Mr. Bischoff. We were like, does he even know who we are? Exactly. First thing he says, sit down, guys. Hey, by the way, you guys are rocking it. You're doing phenomenal. What are you guys making? What are you getting paid? He didn't know. He had no idea. Holy shit. We, we sat down there. We, we, had our, we had our data together, and we broke it down from day one. When, because when I started the power plant, Robbie started the week after that. Okay, oh, so, so pretty much the timelines of the, the time down there, because he moved up from Florida, was the same in the TVs and the independents. And, and when they started pushing us on the loop, we were a tag team. We'd still mm-hmm. do some single matches, but we were a tag team. That was the majority of it. Yep, yep. and, and, and we, they started giving us wins and stuff. So he looked at, we had stuff written down, Colby. We were like, we're ready to go. Hey, man, we're going to see Mr. Bischoff. Boom, man, we got our folder. This is what it is. <laughs> we're prepared. We're in there with a tie and a shirt on. We're nervous as all hell. Uh-huh. I'm nervous to sit down and see in towers. I was like, oh my God, this guy's gonna probably fire us. Isn't <laughs> we're like, we're just, we're just anxiety. Jacked high. up. Yeah. Super. Sit on the sofa. Asked us what we made. We, we started going into our conversation about, hey, we've done this and that. And we've got, bit. ah, I don't need to hear this. Here's what we're gonna do. Here, Janie Engel, Janie, not Janie Engel, Janie Engel was the secretary. Janie Engel is going to take you to Diana Meyer's office, the legal attorney for Turner. And we're going to give you a three-year deal, bud. And we're like, and here it is. Here's the, here's the money. We were like, holy shit. And he goes, and better yet, I'm going to back pay you this contract because I know you guys have been on the road hardcore for about the last eight months. I'm going to back pay this contract the difference of what you were making. Oh, man. I, 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 man, I, we much more than you guys expected. Oh, bud. And I will say this. I was biting my tongue. Talking about a euphoric high guys. I got to cut you off. Jane will take care of you. Got to go. We'll see you on the road. Yes, sir. That's what you expected. We walked out there. Calm. Cool. Got in that elevator and we started streaming. Partying. Uh, uh, just... but, 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 you know, there's. Oh. So let's get back to, to, to just life outline and story. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I started here, put the time in, getting this massive debt go to here. Struggle, struggle it, 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 to even get into it. Now we're talking, you know, I'm 25, 25 years old at that, 26 at that point, because that, that was the summer of the Olympics yep. in Atlanta. Yep. And all of a sudden, I've got this. I made it. That was the first time I realized I've made it, man. We're, we're on the road. Um, we're, we're, we're doing promotional stuff. They're having us, they're paying us side money and driving us around in limousines to go to a sports bar to sign autographs and, and watch our show and feed us. Okay. And I'm going to get paid. That's crazy. Life. Sign me up. Yep. So that's when I knew that, that all this finally is, is coming to, Fruition, man, man. The payoff. And, and when, when that first check came in the mail with that back pay, first thing I thought is every debt's going off. Yeah. 
credit cards, boom, paid off. Had a little free man at that had, point. Yeah, I just had a little clunker vehicle that I was always worried about. Would it ever get me to the airport or to get back from the airport? Yeah. Or to have to call my brother or at the time I was living in Atlanta or call a friend or, or call my parents that say, hey, I'm stranded on the side of the road. I can't get back. So we did the right thing and bought, bought a bought a you know a vehicle that was dependable yep. from driving going back to the airport. Yep. So I was happy. Had no debt, had a reliable vehicle. Had a three-year deal. Yeah, the three-year deal. And now I'm starting to get exposure. And life's good. Amen. So so we know, boom. And then it's just materialized from there. I look at your thing, and I did it with uh, strength and conditioning. I did it with uh, a big high for me is getting back into the college. I love that place. But I look at, so there's a great author, uh, Joseph Campbell, one of the best in the entire history of the world. And he has the hero's journey. And a lot of people go through the hero's journey. There's three phases, the departure, the initiation, and the return. And so you departed into this, in this, this black or white, this shadow of wrestling. You, you had no experience in it. You just went. Yeah. Then I, I believe that you're just talking about this. The initiation phase is that three-year contract. You finally, finally went through all this debt, through all this work, through all this shit, and finally stuff started to pay off. And then the return, you come back and I think you're still in the return phase. You're talking about this with people. You're instilling these morals and these values that you had from there. Your experience talking about it, you're still in that return phase. It's the hero's journey and you went through it throughout this whole life. And it's, it's, it's fucking awesome to see, man. It's, it's a cool experience. Uh, yeah, man, I, that was well said. Uh, I, I love how you just laid that out and, and, and I, I absolutely agree to that. And, you know, I don't really talk about my life much, but if people ask, I, I'm, I'm, I'm more than willing to share stories. And, and, and the reason why is there's a message to it. I've always said this. I'm not the smartest um, in athletics. I wasn't the fastest. I wasn't the strongest. But I will say this, if you never give up, your life will turn out fine. And whatever, whatever industry yep. you, you choose to do as a profession or to make a living at, take care of family, it, you know, so that's the, the message. And, and I, I, I'm into that phase still um, because my point is this, if I made it, you can make it too. Mm -hmm. Anybody can make it. If I made it, I know Anybody can do it. And it just comes down to what you said. And grit. The grit. The will. It's, it's the will. You know, I, I, I coached football with a couple of my buddies. Great experience. And matter of fact, my, my, one of my coaches that got me into coaching for two years. This is a crazy story because we're in the athletics. Yeah. yeah. 98, 99. Harrison High. Matter of fact, the guy that played at Harrison High um, is the Ohio State quarterback. Fields. Today, it's probably going to be the second pick in the draft. Yeah. Now, in 78th grade, we coached a team, and we, we coached them in 7th grade, moved up the same kids in 8th grade. We're in the Atlanta Gatorade Junior High Football Conference, which is all the schools around the city and suburbs. Yeah. A lot of these 7th and 8th graders were Division One. I. I ended up coaching a group of kids by the time they graduated Harrison High. Never won the 6A state title, but I had it. Eight Division One. Oh, I coached eight 
Division I kids in seventh and eighth grade. One played pro. Um, seven of them started and played ACC, Big SEC, time football. And, and one made pro. Um, incredible experience to, you know, to, to, to be around that. Were they different at that age? Could you see it? Yeah. Were they different? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I definitely could see it. But the, what's funny is they come back around. Coach Resnick just texted me the other night, and I haven't talked to him in about 10 years. He's playing poker with one of my nieces um, in <laughs> a conversation, and now we're going to get re- reconnected with them. But, yeah. um, but just, you know, just talking about, like, the, 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 the will, getting back to it, um, mm-hmm. is uh, you, you just got to gotta do it. You, 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 there's an internal passion of, like, failure's not an option. You know, because the message is this, where you, when you went through your outline of what you just said, if you give it hell— and be the best you can be. Yeah. There's no winning and losing. And I'm, I, I'm coming back to this story. I'm talking about coaching uh-huh. because in eighth grade, these kids, we lost the Gatorade championship. We lost the championship game and these, we lost the game 36 to 31. I'll never forget it because this team was beating teams by 40 points during, during the regular season. And we, we got up on them 14, nothing. And they came back and fought, and they won the game deservedly. So, Damn. but our kids fought so hard, and they were so distraught and crying, and so upset in the locker room. And I was, I was so high and happy for them. I was so happy for them because I seen thirteen and fourteen year old kids, and these guys played in front of five thousand kids in an eighth grade gym to be five thousand yeah. um, fans. Um. They were so disappointed. I walked in there and I, I, I was the opposite. I was so euphoric and happy because I was so damn proud of these kids. These kids laid it out on the line. It, and I told them, I said, guys, today there's no losers. The scoreboard does not indicate you're a loser. That's a score. The real scoreboard is what's in here. And whatever you do, failure is part of life, gentlemen. Whatever you do, if you give it the best effort, you're 100%, you've won. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter about the outcome. Yep. See, that's the mindset. Yeah. You know, that's the mindset. John Wellborn, who played in the NFL, I was telling you about, he has this mindset, and I bring it. You'll hear all my college athletes say and talk about this. We break every huddle in the weight room saying this. And it's called move the dirt. As long as we're moving the dirt as a team together, or even as an individual, it doesn't matter. So some days you're going to get a spoon and some days you're going to get a backhoe. Some days you're going to get a a shovel, but as long as we're moving the dirt, that's all it's about. That's all it's about. And you talk about, you were excited for these kids. You were euphoric for these kids. They just went through a failure that is going to propel them way further than the guys that were on the other side of the field. Absolutely. Yep. I had Bryce Meredith. He's a huge wrestler. So uh, he wrestled for Wyoming, made the state or the, the national championship twice in a row, lost twice in a row. When he was in high school, I knew him because he's from Wyoming, never lost a match, undefeated, four-time state champion. Very arrogant, very uh, full of himself. And he'll tell you that. That's not me saying that. He lost in the championship and he says that was the best thing that's ever happened to him. He lost in Madison Square Garden in front of 50,000 people best thing for him. Yeah. 
best yep. thing for him, yep. man. Yeah. Humbling. hundred percent, dude. And, uh, I guess cause you had that all the way through, you had it in your professional career, you had it in coaching, you have it in life. And, um, a lot of times in what you were doing, injuries were the things that really killed people. <sighs> Killed people. Absolutely. Uh, I want literally. Uh, yes, exactly. Literally. And I want to get through. Uh, we'll get to injuries, yeah. but I want to, I want to have you talk about the naysayers that say it's just entertainment. It's just, it's not, uh, it's not a physical sport. It's not that. Um, I want to know like the science that goes into it, the physical preparation, and just to make an entertainment piece, just to make this overarching piece, but you have to hit the ropes at the right place. You have to hit them at the right place of your body, the right velocity. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll get into the detail right now. I like how you, how you broke that down and just this goes parallels, parallels to what you just said about your experience coming out of high school. Hey, I'm this offensive running back. I want to be, be yeah. Yeah, you know, learn to put me in a defense. Hey, go 150 miles an hour. We don't care the outcome. Yep. Okay. So pretty much, in the process of the technique of wrestling, that's the reason why I was going to be down that power plant for 10 to 16 months, 40 hours a week. See, your coaches on the field, they did not want you to think, Kobe. Just go. They wanted you to react because you're going to get more positive out of the reaction, but you're not going to get to go how to positive out of the stopping and thinking the deer in the headlights. Mm -hmm. Wrestling parallels the same with the training. Really? Okay. So, so, you know, that's, that's why the hours and hours and hours. And let's start off with the first thing you said was fake. Um, no, no, it's, it's, it, it, I've said this, you know, with, with Dallas it was, no, it's not fake. There's a lot of great athletes that do this ex athletes. All these guys have athletic backgrounds. These are large men. Yeah. They, they are coordinated. They have agility. They have strength. They have size. They have speed. So the mathematics, you take it and it doesn't matter if you have cruiserweights, a guy in there at 185 pounds and a guy in there at 210 pounds. If somebody is going a certain mile per hour off the rope in one direction, and then on the oncoming direction, you have a guy coming at 18 miles an hour. Yep. Um, there's going to be impact, velocity, force, and then something's going to have to give as the human anatomy. Yeah. So um, it's violent entertainment. I cannot stress that as much. It is violent entertainment. And um, the injuries are real. We Good can't, way to put it. it. It's just, yeah, the injuries are real. We wish it was fake. Oh, no one be injured. Seriously. I wouldn't see broken necks. I wouldn't seen blown out discs. Broken backs. And and all of it. Some of the worst injuries that are lifelong, man. I'm going to deal with my injuries lifelong and same as you. Yeah, and, yeah absolutely. And, and I, you know, you've seen your, you've seen your share of them too. And, and, and you know, unfortunately, I, I've seen some crude ones as well. Yeah, I, you know. I can only imagine, man. And that's what usually puts a stop to people's careers. And we talked about this before. People on my podcast know my story. I just hit my five-year mark of sobriety, and it all started with a, an injury. And during my time, even so to early 2000s, this was when I called it the Wild West of the pharmaceutical industry. You, There was no network between doctors and when you're, a, and I was on a smaller scale than professional wrestling, but I was the best athlete in my town. And then when I was here, I was an all-conference athlete. They want you to play. That's all they want you to do. So they will give you whatever you want. When I was in high school, they didn't have that network between doctors. So you could go doctor shopping, it was called. Yeah. 
I could have a script with four different doctors getting refilled at different times. So I always have something. And I got addicted so bad to pain medication. And the reason I bring that up, because everybody knows that it was a big deal in NFL, in NHL, and mainly wrestling. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, you've got your story and, and I'm, it, let's give you kudos being five years sober. First off, that's great. Yeah, man. And, and, and you've got it whipped. Now, uh, I've had my little deal with, with that as well, doing, during um, a back injury to the L2 and L3, um, we were laid up for about eight weeks, and I was so pissed off because we just broke through, and we we're going to do a trip to, to Australia and New Zealand, and only half the company was going to go. It was an 18-day deal. And so I, we got the itinerary on that like three months in advance. And we're about to go on this trip. We're about three weeks out, I think. And um, I took, a, I took a, a, a power slam the wrong way and, uh, you know, didn't, didn't catch the mat right. And, you know, my, you know, my glute hit, then my back hit, my side hit, and boom, we had an issue here. So, like I said, I and had you knew right then. Oh, yeah, I knew. You yeah. know, when, when, when you do the back thing. So, you know, I knew I did something. I didn't know how severe it was. Um, I finished the match, boom, went back to Atlanta. We had the best medical insurance, some of the best spine specialists down at Emory university, go back down there. They look at me, check me out. Oh, yep. Yep. You, you got, you know, your two and three are enlarged. You know, they're, they're, they're coming out of the shelves. They like to describe it, you know, yeah. a little bit. And they're like, it, I don't think at this point you're going to need surgery, but you're going to need therapy and you're going to be out of work here for uh, four to eight weeks and we'll reevaluate this. Well, first thing I'm thinking is I'm not missing Australia, New Zealand. I know that yep. I'm on that. I'm going to that for sure. Do the process three days a week. I'm in therapy down there. I'm, I'm in water swimming, stretching on a ball after two weeks and six appointments, this thing I honestly, it felt worse. I'm like, I'm not negative. This ain't happening. I got to go my own route because you know, you're young, you're stubborn, you, you know, you're, you have your own philosophy. Yeah. And, uh, going to chiropractor that time, called up my chiropractor, Mike, can you help me? What's the problem? No. I said, man, look at this therapy stuff. It's doing nothing. I, I'm, I'm worried, man. I, this is not getting better. I'm going to get cut on. Yep. And, then, and then I might be out for a while. Hold on. I, I got a buddy of mine that's, Kenny, I want to tell you something. He's a little unorthodox. He's a outside the box type of guy, but you know, I think you guys will get along just fine. So, <laughs> so he gave me his number and I call this guy up and I go to this guy's office and he's got this extraction table and it's like an old European torture table. Yep. Literally he put me, put my ankles and my wrist in leather straps and he had a wheel and he started stretching Damn. my legs, my arms to get the vacuum effect. That was the philosophy of this. You know, I don't have a full blown disc, but it's out coming out of the shell of the cage a little bit. Literally I had tears in my eyes in that first one. And he told me, Kenny, this is going to hurt, but you've got to do this. And uh, I remember at the time, it, I, I tears, it was that painful. Mm -hmm. And after about, he stretched me out, kept me there for like 
just a minute. Rolled me back in. And after the euphoria and the anxiety left in about five minutes, and I got a hold of myself, I was like, wow, whatever you did, I, I feel the best I have in, in the, since I injured this thing. Good. He's like, well, good. He goes, next time it won't be as painful, but you're going to have pain in this. Mm-hmm. Three days a week, I was still doing the medical protocol down at, at the Emory deal with, with the rehab people. Yeah. But I was moonlighting on the side doing that. And in about two weeks uh, after a combined of almost five weeks, laid in the bed really pretty much. Yeah. I was able to get up and walk around. Wasn't released to go back into training or go down the camp. Shape. Um, a couple weeks later, or only about eight weeks in, I was able to, to get back into it. Um, the swelling went down. It was in, you know, it, it, the vacuum effect worked. And yep. It was because of the chiropractor, Damn. not their therapy, what they, they probably thought was the case. But during the process, we're going to get to the, the main point here. Yeah. Um, I was in such pain when I got hurt. I They prescribed me 400 somas and 100 Vicodins, 10 milligram Vicodins, hydrocodines. 10, if, if anybody doesn't know. It's potent. Potent stuff. It, Four times a day taking one of those. And on the on the five milligram muscle relaxers, because my my back and so tight bound, bound up. up. Four at a time. And that was like three times a day. Jesus. So now this is legal, this is legal medical heroin. <laughs> heroin that was prescribed by specialist. So I'm sitting here thinking, oh, that helped me. I was in such bad pain. Felt good. But guess what? When they wore off, I needed more. I needed more. So I took them and pretty much I became a legal junk bomb. And thank God I was a junk bomb for only seven or eight weeks, Kobe. Mm-hmm. Because I remember when I got off them, I started sweating and the withdrawal started kicking in. And I'm like, What's going on here? I must be sick. Oh my God, I'm not on the medicine no more. Going through withdrawals, man. Call, call up Doc's office. I was like, man, I don't feel good. Well, you're going through some, well, what can I do? You drink fluids, don't get dehydrated. Let it play out. Let it play out. Stay isolated a little bit. Don't drive. Four days. Good to go, but mm-hmm. I'm telling you something. That 96 hours was hell. It is. Well, it was hell, and well, we we can even go back before that. You want to talk about the early 2000s? How about the 90s? You think, hey, being a 25, 26 year old kid into an industry where I'd watch these guys on TVs and being around them, and I'm talking about I worked with all the top guys for those five and a half years. I knew them. I lived with them. I, you know, we traveled mm-hmm. around together. Um, the first thing that I caught off guard was when I started traveling consistently were these guys that are 35, 40, 42 years old, been doing this stuff for 10, 15, 20, 25 years. What are they always taking these pills, man? It's part of guys. their daily life. I, yeah, exactly. Thinking that Rob, Robbie Rage would be like, Robbie, what's going on with these guys? I don't know, but they're all taking these pills. I know that. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we're just so, we're so naive at that point. And then you, then you travel around for three or four months 
wrestling 25 times a month and you realize the physical violence and the abuse on the human anatomy and you're really quick. That's why they're taking those. Mm -hmm. So like you said, they want you to perform. They want you to play. It doesn't matter if it's high school or college level. That's the deal. You know, your, your merchandise, your, same thing. You're Those a guys, that's their that's their the livelihood, Kobe, right? Yep. So and you're a number. They want you to perform for them to win win yeah, games. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So so I went through an experience like that too. Probably a little different than yours because I you know, you know, when we get into your conversation, you you had a, a elongated battle that that, you, that that you finally just looked at it and said, Demon, I'm gonna beat you. hundred percent. And that's and how that's that's how it went. It was almost 10 years. Um I, I, so for, uh, in high school, I had the problem because all the shoulder surgeries and my, my uncle, I didn't go to true treatment. My uncle had a drug t- and I, I came out, I never got caught and I came out and at this time in high school, it was just pain meds and yeah. college. Yeah. It progressed to the bad stuff. Yeah. Um, and so he had a drug test for me for 365 days. He had a drug test waiting in my house after football practice and wrestling practice and track. And I passed every single one of them, but I didn't want to quit then. I was just doing it because I could. I was like, yeah, I can beat this. I'm going to, I'll be clean for a year. Took off to college. First year was fine. And then it progressed. And it progressed um, way past pain meds. Um, and uh, But an injury is what 100%, ignited that. 150%. Yeah. Yeah. Every single one of them. Just uh, because it was every year I came back from an injury and started as a, a true freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. Yeah. And that's the only way I could cope. I could hammer fools when I was on pain meds, you know? And so that's what you felt better. You could wrestle when you had that, you know? And so long story short, um, I went to true treatment coach, coach Stanton helped me through that. Um, went to the hospital with me on withdrawals and I came forward and I had to pretty much just say, fuck it. I have to beat this. I'm not this person. I have to beat this because it's not me. And uh, long story short, it was able to do it hit five years and but I think a parallel between you and I, health, physical fitness, and strength and conditioning was always a staple. Even when I was an addict, I would like, I got to go work out and then I can get trashed. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 you know, that reflects over to the life now, you know, what you're doing, you're helping others. Um, but that actually, the way I look at it, probably saved me on some situations. And I think it saved you because, see, you, you already had that outline of, of hey, it's a hundred percent or nothing. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm full bore or I just don't do it. Yep. You know, you're probably very similar to me. I don't, I don't take upon something. I don't half-ass anything because I was, I just won't do it. Mm-hmm. it. I don't care if it's making the bed. Mm-hmm. If, if I want to make the bed, it's gonna be a damn good looking it's, bed. It's gonna be looking good looking bed. Yep. You know what I mean? So it, it's, it's like it's just messages that that I see that you're you're passing on and that I try to pass on. Yeah, you know, man. you know, people listen. We're at an adverse time, the, 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 you know, the COVID-19, I think we're going to start, we, we still have a, we're still in the trenches with, with the battle of this thing, but, but the lights there in the tunnel. And I think by the, by, by the late summer of, of 21, I think this is going to be More totally normal. in the world, world. Yeah. We're back to normal rearview mirror shit. Mm-hmm. And, 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 but the message people get right now, there's, you know, still a lot of people out of work unemployed. It's fall time. People get depressed. I think you're the type of guy, Kobe, the same as me is I like to pump people up and say, you know what? I don't like to hear people bitch. I, I, you think you got it so bad? You think you got it so bad? I'll tell you what, 
Why don't I'll buy you a flying ticket, an airplane ticket. Let, let's go down to fucking Africa yep. or, or let's go over the Middle East and see how children are living. And you tell me how fucking bad it is. So you stop, stop bitching. crying yeah. and bitching. You know, sometimes it's good for all of us to be put in place. Even, even me and you, if it's by my girlfriend or if it's by one of her daughters, you know, it's we good. All, we can all fall into that rut it, it, pretty quickly. Easily. And yeah. it's just good. It's good that I think we're here to remind people. For sure, man. Yeah, let's be grateful. And but you know what? Whatever we do, let's focus and do it right. Because as long as you can get up in the morning and look in the mirror and say, hey, man, I'm good. Life's good. Great day to be alive. I'm good. Let's go. Yep. You know, it's all you need. And a lot of people have come to a crossroads now with COVID-19. We came to a crossroads. We shut our whole gym down for two and a half months. Like it's a weird time to be 26 and owning a gym, you know? And so you came to a crossroads towards the end of your career. It was like, um, I have opportunity to possibly maybe get another contract or, or, or be done. Yeah. How, how did you, I mean, crossroads are the best thing that we can have for ourselves at that moment. It doesn't feel like it. That that was your identity. Damn it. Yeah, exactly. That was your whole identity. So so you want to talk about, you want to talk about crossroads and and same belief. I crossroads are the scariest thing humans can go through because it, it's unknown. It's unknown, but it's a gray area. It's a beautiful thing. You find out a lot about yourself. Um, Crossroads, I found, you know, over the transition of about, it was a, a crossroad process for about 10 to 12 months for me. And, and uh, because I started here, I went here, I had this. I'm on TV, I'm on video games, I'm on baseball cards. Yeah. You know, I got merchandise and I'm doing this, I'm doing that. You know, um, making a great living. Um, you got all these people around you. Man, you got every, I got people, I got big donate the this. Hey man, come invest in this. We can make some quick money, you know, or Hey, let's just get in the side. But man, they're, they're, they, they come at you strong. And so like, like, like when you're there before the crossroads actually take place, you have all these people around you. And then guess what? And the transition happens. It gets dark. Not many people around. Nope. So that's the beauty about the crossroads in the dark place. The transition, you've learned a lot about yourself the mistakes that, you, that you've gone through and made. And then, then you, you, you know, you really know who, who, who your friends are and, and who the ones that are going to care for you and help support you. Mm-hmm. So that, that's a beautiful thing about it. It really is. We all go through it at different levels and different stages, but every human being does. And at the time, like you said, it's a hurricane. It's horrible. But as you get out of the hurricane phase, it's what a happens after thing. It's an opportunity. More, 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 more growth and opportunity. So, so getting back to that, Turner arranged with AOL in um, late '99. Was at the time was the, the world's largest business transaction. Mm-hmm. Um, Ted Turner, the original owner of, of TNT, CNN, TBS. Yep. You know, had all the radio broadcasting and all that. He became more of a stooge on the board. He lost major major majority of control, yeah. 49% player, 51. At that point, WCW already had cutbacks and layoffs, and I was still there. They cut back. And then when that merger happened, AOL said, yep, let's look through the, the itinerary of the last seven, six, six, seven years, the money we produced, the money that it cost, 
um, having um, a roster payroll, um, you know, from when it kind of started getting big at, at uh, 15 or 20 million, you know, up, up to 40 or 50 million and in having Monday shows cost three quarters of a million dollars and our ratings are down at 3.5 or three, two, and they are not at like seven twos or even at a five, five composite, which is yeah. fantastic. Um, so, um, they decided to pull the plug on it and it was a transition. So I got let go after re-signing more contracts under three years of, in my contract, that was the majority of the roster. Um, we had a six month, you know, like buyout. Yep. So I got compensated for six more months. Still got merchandising checks coming in, but I ended up losing out on, let's see, probably about 21 months of, of a new deal. So I got about 15 months worth of that one. Mm -hmm. And, um, but things happen. Um, some of my buddies went back to the WWF at that time or the WWE. It had changed the world wildlife federation oh. made them change their name. That's why if you don't know why WWE is E instead of F for, for 20 years or 15 years, they both had WWF logo. Mm -hmm. But I guess when Vince got more mainstream, the, the um, Federation for wildlife said, Hey, we, we had it first. Yeah. So, you know, that's really the reason they changed. I had friends back up in New York, and uh, they were in the Atlanta at the Georgia Dome. And for, for their TV show, they'd always have a, a dark match, a warm-up match, or a trial. Okay. And uh, I went down there with my partner, and uh, we had a tag team match before they started their Monday show. And, yeah, it wasn't the best. It wasn't the worst. Yeah, subpar. Uh a little disappointed. Mm -hmm. it just it wasn't as smooth. Wrestled two younger guys, and it, footwork was off. Um, just the, the, the energy, the vibe. But still, with that being said, they offered me to give me a training contract, but they wanted me to move to Memphis, Tennessee. Mm. It, and it's just a little training deal where I could sit there and nothing could ever uh, amount to anything. And I tried to counter ask them, hey, can, can you pay me this? And I'll go do it. Um, and they're like, at this time, we, we can't, Kenny, we can only offer you this. And I thought about it overnight and called him back and said, thank you, but no, thank you. Nope. And, um, and that was it with, with the WWE. And, and at that point I realized, um, after the few injuries I had and, and being at the highs and lows of this, I realized my goal was to be able to do this 10 years. Yeah. When I do this 10 years, I'm cool. If I did it for 20, great, whatever, but at least 10. Came up a little short of that, about five and a half years total into it. Mm -hmm. But um, after that, I said no to the WWE to, to relocate with no guarantees. TNN started up in 2002 and three, and Kevin Solomon and Jimmy Hart gave me a call when they were hiring contract people. And they called me up for an audition. Um, and, and I turned them down because I was out of wrestling by then for a year and a half. Wow. You know, wasn't doing any independence or going to Japan or anything. I was, I was back to working a job. I liked my life. I liked being normal, actually, Kobe. Yep. I thought normal, normalcy was a great thing for me. For sure. And, and, and in general, I thought it was. And uh, Been everything but normal for a long time. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. How about the word chaos times 10? <laughs> exactly. Um, just, just, and it's the life, it's entertainment business. It, it, you know, it, it is what it is. And, uh, but, you know, I knew then 
that when TNN in 2002 and three called me and said, hey, we have you on a list for an audition if you're interested because we're going to give out a certain amount of contracts and you were on the list for auditioning. And I, and I told him, hey, thanks, no thanks. And I knew then it was definitely done and, and no regrets. I, part of me says I wish I would have done it longer, but no, you know what, 50, I'm pretty healthy. I'm still, you know, work out, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I can move fine. I have a little limitations um, with the abuse my body's taken from sport, but we, we do all, do. all do. Yeah, you know, so you, you learn to work around them. And uh, man, I, you know, things are just good. I, you know, I like the past messages. I, I love to be able to sit here and 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 I and I'm very grateful and very appreciative to to bring me on your podcast because I knew I wanted to do it. I just matter of when when schedules yeah, work. And and um, and I, I'm just I'm humbled and I'm grateful that that it interests you to. To, to talk about, you know, some of my life. And more importantly, I think I found out today, um, I think we're very similar because it, it's not so much about, about my life or your life. It's, it, it's really a, about, about messages. Mm-hmm. You know, c- c- can we pass messages on to younger people or even older people that maybe might be down? You know that that might be might might deal with some depression issues or 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 you know just need a little foot up their ass sometimes. We all do exactly. Need it. You know, it goes back to the message. If you've done this and you survived COVID at being a business owner, um, hey. Anybody can. They can do it. You know, what I did in my past, if I did it, I promise you, you know, there's an outline that you can do whatever you choose to do. Just do the work, man. Roll up the sleeves, man. Let's do it. Let's go to work. Yes, sir. Yeah. Man, it's a freaking pleasure having you on. Um, I loved everything about it. And it, it turned out even more than I expected. Um, at the end of most of the podcasts, I ask a question and it's kind of just like a little creative question. Um, and I'll give you my spiel about it after I get yours. But if Kenny had, if you were a kitchen utensil, what kitchen utensil would you be and why? <laughs> ah, that's a, it's a doozy. That's, that's a unique question. <laughs> so if I was the utensil, I think I would probably be. You I, think on it, man. Yeah, I no, I, I think I've I think I've come up with it. I think, I think I would be the, the 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 whipper. No, you, you you, I'd put the. That's a new one. Yeah, and, and I think the reason why, I I think, uh, just I like to. I like to to to, to whip people. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I, I like to physically, get, mentally. Yeah. Exactly, and that's just that's just me. I, I like to press people, and I, I'm a stir. Mm-hmm. I like to push people's buttons in the right, right, right manner. Yeah. Right, right, right. Get right the direction. best out of them. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. my message. My, uh, I originally, so I got asked this when I was at the power athlete and I, uh, I stood up in front of 20, 20 people and I said, I'd be a meat tenderizer because I'm usually all gas, no brakes. <laughs> <laughs> Just go yeah. after it. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yep. That's funny. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's actually well said. Yeah, man. Yeah. I've been, you know, it's about messages, man. And you know, um, like I said, I, I'm extremely Grateful and humble, man. I, I've enjoyed this. Um, yeah, maybe sometime we can, we can do her again. Well, seriously, we can run her future. back. Uh, absolutely, man. Awesome. Uh, love to. And maybe, you know, try to get some other people on a, yeah. I think Pruitt was a, a that, that might be something to think about. I think I could get Pruitt on here. Yeah. That would be cool. I I, I think he can too. He's a good dude. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a great guy. I think it'd be, I think his message um, is, is a great one as well. For sure. 
Well, everybody, I dude, I seriously, I appreciate you coming by, man. Oh, it was right awesome. On. Oh, fantastic. Awesome, appreciate brother. it. Yeah. Um, everybody, that's an NLX2 podcast with Kenny Chaos. Um, I appreciate you guys listening. Shoot us a review on there. That's what keeps it going. Shoot us a review. It was it was a freaking blast. If you guys have any questions, I uh, reach out to me or Kenny, and that's a wrap. I appreciate Perfect. it, man. Thank you.